0: Yes, get your ducks in a row and let me know. Let me know when they're in a row.
1: Mine are as r- I I have like <laughs> seven open tabs right now, and I think that's about as a, <laughs> that's sure about is. as well organized as it's gonna be.
0: I might I might retweet it with the picture you sent me of Lena Dunham at the computer. Um, oh yeah. I also I have to know. Do you think that's Do you think that's real? Is it, it must be photoshopped. Like she's not looking at that, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't think she's looking at
1: what's on those screens. No, but like, if you told me that she was, I would also believe you. Like, I feel like I'm very susceptible to deep fakes and other stuff.
0: You're susceptible to deep fakes. Yeah. You need a media literacy class.
1: I like, okay, I would consider myself a pretty media literate person. I just don't, like, if a deep fake is funny, I'm sorry, I am going to enjoy <laughs> it. Like, I, I know that's probably not great for the civic
0: process or whatever, but. Um, no, I've, I think, um, I appreciate it.
1: Have you seen that? I mean, it's not really a deep fake, It's more of um, a traditional cartoon, let's say. But, like, have you seen that video of Hillary Clinton and Madonna dancing to, like, Girl Gone Wild?
0: No. <laughs> okay,
1: I think I I will have to find it after. Um, It's obviously pre-2016. Like, it's just one of those things that's aged like milk, but I think about it <laughs> all the time. Oh,
0: my God. The song, like, like a girl gone wild? That song?
1: Yeah, and they're, like, doing choreo, like, full choreo to it. But, I mean, they are, like, they are cartoon people. It's just, it's really... <laughs> Okay, actually, as
0: we're we're talking about it, it's sounding more familiar. (sighs) Aged like milk. I was thinking about that phrase literally yesterday, actually. I mean, so many things have. No, it's also such an ungenerous phrase. Like, you know, I I feel like it started because people say, like, men age like wine, women age like milk. Is is that what it started with? (laughs) That's crazy. I know, and just hearing it like milk, I'm like, oh, my God.
1: (laughs) No, I mean that it's just so like loaded when you put it in that context, especially too. It's just I, like it's I'm so sick. Sure that's it.
0: Okay, I'm gonna look up age like milk and see what comes up, and then and then we're gonna start. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, mu- we must. Uh, okay, no, <laughs> this will be an off off pod convo. Um, but welcome to Girls Room. We'll be unpacking a very foundational text of the 2010s, which is of course HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me, I have my incredible co-host Drew Haskins. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm good, Julia. I am so happy to be here to unpack one of the truly uh, defining texts of my life and our share our lives in general.
0: Our shared life, I, yeah. honestly, me too. I feel like it. It's just such an important <laughs> body of work. Um, if I, if I may say. I feel like it's important to mm-hmm. the millennial generation and just something that I don't know, couldn't be made today honestly for for mul- multiple reasons.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, I was, I mean we'll get into the specifics of it in a shortly but I was really struck by both how of a time the show itself is. Like it really does feel like a period mm-hmm. piece but the. I mean it's still funny years later but you can see the sort of you know the the complexities like make themselves very apparent pretty immediately
0: absolutely i mean i would love to hear just to start out like where were you when girls dropped like spiritually physically were you a fan from the go What what's your girl's origin story
1: okay so we i think i mean we have pretty similar like temporal and location backgrounds for this um for people who are who don't know Julie and i went to middle school and high school together in potomac maryland and we were ju- juniors in high school when the show came out so i was like i mean it was like a very fraught period like pre-college like really wishing i were an adult like way sooner than i actually was like getting to be there and I was watching so much TV at that point, too, just because it was also it was also just, like, way easier to watch buzzy TV back then because there weren't, like, 500 shows a month coming out. Um, but I was really excited for it because it mm-hmm. seemed like, kind of controversial and, like, cool in New York. And I was really obsessed with, like, Gossip Girl and, like, Gawker, like, Old Gawker and all that stuff. So I, I was just so excited and ready to be, like, way more urbane than... I actually was. What is your story with us?
0: No, I'm honest. I have a very similar story, honestly. I feel like living in um, Potomac, you're kind of, I don't know, no one is interested in culture or being a writer like Hannah was, um, or just like going to art events like Marnie was. And I, I definitely kind of looked up to them, even though it was this depressive quirky world i thought it was i immediately liked it and i thought i need to live in new york you know some people have sex in the city as their. i need to live in new york show and mine was girls um again as depressing as like the world she depicts is it it has kind of quirky glam to it
1: had you seen uh, yeah 100 percent um, had you seen Sex and the City before, Girls? Oh, yeah.
0: I was a huge Sex and the City fan as well. But it that kind of just seemed so far from my reality. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't relate to yeah. any of it. It was just this beautiful New York fantasy. Um, so I, maybe that was my pre I need to live, live in New York show. I kind of already knew New York was this fascinating ground. <laughs> but Definitely, I I went from Sex and the City to Girls. It was a seamless transition. Um, Lena even said, she said, Girls is about young women who came up watching that show and who came to New York with Sex and the City as their paradigm. Um, and And I quote, and how much harsher their wake up call was because of that. I know, which is, like, so spot on. You know, we even see oh a direct reference to Sex and the City in the first episode, which we will absolutely get into later.
1: Yeah, like, I don't think you can do a show about four girlfriends in New York without referencing Sex and the City, especially sure. since it's on the same network and everything, too. Like, um, I, I had watched Girls before Sex and the City, crazily. I actually had not, I had not seen Sex and the City in full until 2022 which is like so bad gay of me but i i I,
0: so surprised sex in the
1: city is i like i i don't want to spoil things but like i think girls is the best show the past decade sex in Mm -hmm. the city is definitely not Mm -hmm. at the same like mm, let's say like quality caliber but it is a much easier watch because it is it's so frothy and fizzy compared to like alina dunham's new york which is like you know distressingly closer to like what real new york and like just real city life is in general
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um yeah i think it might be helpful to talk about the context um you know before we get into the episode proper like it's 2012, so 10 years ago, and I feel like even just over those 10 years, the world and entertainment has changed so much. You know, people in 2012 are still proudly identifying as feminists, you know, like the hipster. Hipster isn't a dirty word. It's actually kind of a cool thing. And this messy, charming girl archetype is still taking form.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And like... (sighs) You can just see, like, the the looks and the fashions are very, like, curated, boho, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like, studied poverty, almost. Like, everyone in this first episode looks a little shabby, (laughs) um, except Marnie. But, I mean, we'll get to, like, the archetypes and stuff. But it is, um, I guess, like, there has always been this kind of, like, performative, like, boho stuff, like, throughout history, like... I mean, even, like, going back to, like, the 1800s mm-hmm. with, like, La Boheme and then, I mean, Ren, obviously, is all about, like, artifice and that, like, sort of, like, lower class creative class. But this, mm-hmm. She- mm-hmm. yeah, shabby, shabby chic, chic for well. sure. But, like, it, yeah, it I, is very, I, like, chic, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, Han- Hannah's outfits the entire season are very um, shabby chic, very... Oh, I can't think of there was this website where like a kind of a pinup style website where girls used to buy clothes. I don't know if
1: mm-hmm.
0: you probably don't remember, but it reminds me of that <laughs> sound off in the comments. If you remember, um, but
1: like the, um the anthropology girls, like mm-hmm. that is kind of the Hannah Horvath style is like full, just like anthropology off the rack.
0: It's very anthro. Um. But, yeah, 2012, like, I don't know, entertainment was still twee at the time, and we saw, like, high-maintenance premiere that same year. And it was just a, a kind of earnestness that I feel like we don't see as much in pop culture. Yeah. One. Just to give, yeah, just to give yeah. kind of, like, a vibe of the time. It was, like, post-Tumblr, pre-Instagram aesthetics. But... Let's see, I think we can start talking about like, how did, how do you think the pilot aged?
1: So I thought the pilot itself aged pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Like if we're talking about the actual like quality of the writing and the quality of the acting, like this is a pilot that sets up the premise of the show so well, sets up all the character archetypes so well, is screamingly funny at points and Mm -hmm. you can just tell like they have they have a really good formula and a really good chemistry already put together um I mean I like Lena Dunn just is such a singular genius at like observing human behavior we should just get that out of of the way right now because I feel like I'm gonna have to come up with new ways to say that every episode of this podcast or uh, this live show (laughs)
0: No, I completely agree um Rolling Stone put it really well in their review right after the podcast called her Larry David's sicko granddaughter which is like so on point it's so Larry David it's I would even say Woody Allen I know that's kind of like a probably not viewed as a compliment but I, I mean but like
1: I get I get what those comparisons do like I mean, at the time, like he's definitely persona non grata now and has been for a really long time. But his, he was such a good, like, artistic photographer of, like, just New York dynamics. And she's doing the same thing. And I think that you, like, you kind of have to be a native New Yorker in order to do all that. And I mean, the four main girls are all native New Yorkers. We didn't even get into, like, how all of these girls like the real life girls like grew up in sort of like nep. I mean, they were like Nepo babies before everyone was kind of talking about it.
0: Right. Or even just like having this different view of adults and relationships um, from an early age and how that kind of shaped them as people. Yeah. Uh, another thing we'll get into later, just the different kind of girls relationships and what they represent but yeah i I think we should just start talking about the episode
1: yes let's so it it starts off on a scene that for whatever reason i thought happened way further into the show but was pleasantly surprised to happen at the beginning um lena dunham's character hannah horvath is at dinner with her parents who are played by like the truly excellent becky ann baker and peter scolari and they're visiting her in new york Uh, at dinner at a very nice restaurant and they cut her off financially after two years out of grad or grad two years after graduating at Oberlin Mm
0: -hmm. they say we can't keep bankrolling your groovy lifestyle which I think (laughs) such a my parents basically told me that as well (laughs) Yes. It was a little sooner after graduation, but it's, and it's so spot on. Like, it's just the privilege of thinking that your parents are going to pay for you to get $13 cocktails for the rest of your life so you can write your book
1: and live in this, like, what appears to be like a pretty palatial Brooklyn apartment. <laughs> like, in
0: Greenpoint, no less.
1: Yeah. It seems, um, I mean, I, I cannot speak to, like, actually living in New York in 2012 because that was more of a fantasy of mine than, like, anything that's ever approached reality. But I, like, definitely it, the, the like, kind of setup and set dressing of the show is kind of is not really, like, the poverty, like, the studied poverty that everything else is. Like, they all seem like they're doing okay.
0: Yeah, and definitely by design. Um. Yeah. And yeah, the rest of the episode kind of shows Hannah grappling with this, the fact that she no longer has her parents' money to bankroll her groovy lifestyle. This also has one of our, one of our favorite lines that we talked about a lot before even talking about this episode, which is, I really think I might be the voice of my generation or a voice of a generation
1: it it's just it's so perfect like i i think like the defining line from the show um I completely agree like i can see why this this pilot got greenlit on that line alone like it's just so cutting and like it establishes a character in just one sentence like it, it's 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 true genius um do you think Lena Dunham is the voice of our generation?
0: Um. Well, okay. I think this line is interesting for a few reasons. Um, one, because yes, I do. Like, I think she really is the... I I wouldn't go as far as saying she was stating it by having her character say that. I would not say that. But I, I do think she is this millennial voice this distinctly millennial voice um i even like millennial gen z cusp because you know now you see every young person kind of feeling like they have a story worth sharing and she kind of predicted that social media point of view and uh maybe is a proof that sometimes it works out (laughs) because she is a genius and really laid out the millennial privilege that i feel like um, categorizes our generation
1: she's also so you- good at capturing like corporate jargon speak and wellness speak yes. in a yeah. way that like there are a lot of comedians who are super in vogue right now and have been for decades like or the past decade like kate berlant and john early and jacqueline novak who are so good at doing this too but like I mean, the, the line that one of the lines that really made me like scream out laughing was when she is trying to get a promotion and ends up getting gaslit into quitting by her boss, um, who says, uh, Joylyn knows Photoshop as a justification for keep like giving her like the full time role. And that is just so funny and so like believably 2012 and like something that would have been said back then. It just, it's, Harsh.
0: And and what so do
1: you think said now? Yeah, like I completely like I name gonna... like, arbitrary skill sets that like for whatever reason completely arbit um, or arbitrate like our class identities. Just crazy.
0: Seriously, I feel like um, the show does a really good job of talking about this. trying to start your career and like not having any money and just the kind of self-debasement of being in your early twenties and trying to get hired and be hireable. Yeah. I I
1: mean, I'm not, the one thing about this pilot that's sort of strained credulity for me is interning for two full years with no pay, which seemed wild to me but then i remember that um have you seen the one season bravo show
0: gallery girls no but i i remember hearing about it and seeing okay. like it's photos.
1: it is definitely like a good companion piece to hbo's girls in that it also kind of tracks this like striving delusional creative class of like young Brooklyn Knights and Manhattan Knights. But there is a girl on that show who's been interning unpaid at a gallery for like 18 months. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like I guess in 2012, you could get away with that because people wouldn't be complaining about it on social media for like viral outrage.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. It just, it also something like that. I mean, also just kind of gets into the privilege that they're talking about on the show, you know, like Mm -hmm. the fact that she could go two years uh, on her parents' money and, you know, interning for free. Um, We should also talk about the relationships and how she kind of shows these different kinds of unsuccessful love matches. So she spends some time in the first episode juxtaposing her friend Marnie who is smothered by her boyfriend Charlie and thinks his touch is like a weird uncle's she says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Such a good line so like heartbreaking and then meanwhile Hannah is obsessed with Adam who is played by smoking hot weirdo Adam Driver and Adam does not care if she lives or dies but Hannah is so obsessed with him and I just think it's funny the explore it's something she explores throughout the series like the different kinds of unsuccessful love matches and the power imbalances in these relationships.
1: Yeah, I mean she she's always been such a good cataloger of unhealthy power dynamics. I feel like she was almost ahead of her time in that way because we didn't really start talking about it in a broader societal sense especially within relationships mm-hmm. until like I mean, a little before the Me Too movement. I don't want to give her like all the credit for that, but like, you can see something like, pff, I don't. God strike me down for bringing this up. A cat person,
0: mm-hmm. and like
1: <laughs> something like cat person is so indebted to Lena Dunham.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Even just the tone of it all.
1: I would like to talk about Adam Driver really quickly because he is. I mean, in 2022, easily the breakout star of this cast, which
0: if you had told me that...
1: Yeah, like, if you had told me that on April 15th, 2012, that Adam Driver would be one of the world's biggest movie stars, I would have taken one look at his haircut and just, like, laughed until my brain leaked out my ears. Like, (laughs) it's bananas.
0: Okay, you say that, but I think he was... He kind of predated the whole uh, dorky hot weird hot thing like you know everyone's obsessed with Nathan Fielder now. He yeah. he's undeniably hot in my opinion and just kind of looks like a freak. He's ugly hot. I think he is
1: he definitely is a sexy guy. Like he has sex appeal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but it is yeah, it just I don't know. Like I think they do a really good job of making him this like inscrutable fuck boy, especially with like the aesthetic choices he makes, like mm-hmm. high waisted carpenter pants, shirtless, <laughs> like a click five bowl cut. It's really it's it's a series of choices that is just like this is a weird dude. Yeah. Whereas like you look at um Charlie, who's played by Christopher Abbott, who's also gone on to, like, a really good, like, indie film career, super hot. But he is definitely, like, a very specific takedown of kind of your, like, proto-Brooklyn male hipster, like, pitchfork reader, like, tote bag carrying, Mm -hmm. vampire weekend-y kind of guy.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Two two flavors of um, hot hipster guy. Also, Ray, another... A third flavor. Yeah. I Ray, think, I I I love Ray. <laughs> I think I Alex so is so loved. hot. He, yeah, he's he might actually be my favorite my favorite man on the show. Um, but yeah, I I love them all. I think also the dialogue they give like Adam and Charlie is really great.
1: Yeah, like, she's she's definitely good at writing for men, too. Um, it's really important to note, if people, have, like, don't remember, she wrote, directed, and obviously starred in this pilot, like, as a 24-year-old. That's unheard of. <laughs> like, and it's a really well-directed <laughs> yeah. show, too.
0: Yeah. I I think your point is astute that, yeah, she's really good at writing for men i am curious about that but we'll get more into them later i think we should talk about meeting the girls
1: uh, <laughs> The girls so i mean on the surface they're all kind of these like stock archetypes like hannah is the struggling creative writer but also sort of like a delude they're all sort of delusional narcissists but like Marnie is the uptight type A prom queen type.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jessa is this like Euro boho free spirit. Mm-hmm. Just got and back. And Shoshana,
0: to- Shoshana is
1: I Shoshana. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like I-, I I think I immediately took to Shoshana as this like Jewish insufferable sentient juicy couture tracksuit. Like she. I think she's the funniest character.
1: Oh, 100%. And I mean, she, out of the four girls, she's the only somewhat likable one. Sure. Um, I do think that her Sex in the City monologue is (laughs) the funniest piece of writing in the pilot. Like,
0: what did she say? She's like, um, all (laughs) I remember is sometimes the Samantha comes out.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the big capper on it. It is so, like, it is something that kind of girl would say. Like, she's playing this, like, character of this really, like, sophisticated New Ooh. York City girl. But, like, the pilot doesn't really make super queer that she is, like, a junior or a senior at NYU still. She's in college. So it's I, it's just this this girl who's trying to, like, pretend she's a lot more with Mm -hmm. it than she actually is but that could be like really annoying or condescending but Zosha Mamet is just a very phenomenal actor Mm -hmm. and like I one of the better comedians on the show like I think she just sells it so well
0: definitely um yeah and yeah she might be the most likable but I think they're all kind of designed to be like different flavors of unlikable like yeah Lena is maybe trying to show how these privileged white women in their 20s, especially those like striking out in the city on their own. And, you know, her aunt is paying for her twenty one hundred dollar a month rent. <laughs> how she the- calls
1: it a bachelorette pad, which also yes. really made me
0: <laughs> laugh. Like, But I think she's kind of showing how these women are like hateable by nature and kind of poking at her poking fun at herself and, yeah. you know, letting the audience laugh at her and her privileged friends
1: 100 like it's it, it just it's it's very sympathetic in a way like she doesn't make any of these women out and out like monstrous except for one moment that i thought was like well we'll get we'll get to in a bit but i mean she's she's very good at like kind of nuanced shades like you sort of pity them a little bit but Ooh. Yeah I don't know it's I think we're also just like we've seen so many comedies since 2012 where everyone is like super cuddly and super friendly and like people are kind of afraid to like make people villains anymore.
0: Yeah oh well definitely Trump Air Entertainment is certainly no villains and especially when you're depicting women you know you have to be very careful that you don't make a bitch you know. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, I mean, when you're making a popular show. Like, Girls was really popular. Which is, I wonder if it came out today, if it would be as well-received.
1: I don't think it would be well-received if it was, like, identical to the product we see now. Like, this is just so of its time and place. Like, especially the casting. I mean, there's, I was, there was one character of color with a speaking line in the whole pilot and it was joy lynn
0: oh my god right he's like
1: asking for like smart water or something
0: yeah oh yeah she's like can you get me a smart water and a coffee or something which is also just funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah that definitely didn't age well and i think even at the time People were saying like, "Where, where are the black and brown people?"
1: Yeah, but, and we'll get into in future episodes of Girls Room. We will get into how borderline recklessly Lena Dunham dealt with those critiques. But oh um,
0: God, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this this season she doesn't really do much with it. No, and I think it's it's a near perfect season of television. I will say I, but. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in later episodes, how, yeah. how she deals with it and confronts it. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think making these women so unlikable and kind of just these annoying beauties was a really sharp move. Especially, I feel like people stopped watching the show because they felt like, oh, well, I don't really like any of these people. But I think that, you know, you, you don't really want to like people in entertainment or I don't you know I like complicated characters
1: yeah me too like I mean when I was doing my sex in the city watch earlier this year I didn't really like any of them at Mm -hmm. certain points like I mean that show was you know it has a reputation for being really like candy coated and fun and silly but like those women are so complex and and um like unlikable in a lot of ways too and I don't really know why girls was wasn't afforded the same rope mm-hmm. that Sex in the City was. but
0: Yeah, I don't think people t- were talking about how Carrie sucks until years after it yeah. went off the air.
1: And maybe Which, that's just like us, you know, as like a new generation of TV watchers, like we're watching these shows in a different frame
0: mm-hmm.
1: with di- with different like a different lexicon around how we engage with like, complex characters and women especially, but, um, yeah, very, very odd. I don't know.
0: I cannot... I actually can't think of a TV show that came out in recent history where there's an unlikable woman. Actually, no, that's a lie. An unlikable uh, main character is a woman.
1: Yeah, like, I... um.
0: Which is bad for women.
1: It is... It No, it's bad for women, and it's bad Fair for, like tv and comedy like i Shit's creek i recently i guess last year oh, okay. that's at this point i watched it from the beginning again and that show got super 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 cuddly and everyone was like a sweetie pie by like season three of six sure. or seven so like that's not like a long arc or whatever, but that first season, the female characters especially are pretty callous and unlikable. But I think it's just it's like the Parks and Recification and Ted Lassoification of comedy. Like you just like every, all everything gets like kind of wrinkled out in a way that's not as a uh, yeah even
0: complex. Even, Parks Rec, even Parks and Rec. I feel like people talk about. Leslie Knope, uh, Amy Poehler's character, saying that she started out as this super unlikable character, and then as the show went on, they ma- they softened her.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can, not I sort of agree with that to an extent, but she was never really that unlikable, just kind of annoying. Annoying.
0: Sure. Yeah. But, I I wasn't. I guess I that was a background show for me where I like kind of watched it, but not yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think I would love to talk about the end of the episode. Um, Yes. So it ends with Hannah. She's high on opium tea and she's asking her parents for a loan. So she's saying, I know you, I know we had this entire conversation earlier about how you're cutting me off, but how about that doesn't happen? And she's giving, does she give them her, the whole essay collection or the first essay and she's like read this like just please help me out so i can finish writing she
1: she says she has like five of 13 done or something Mm -hmm. like that and like she gives them like six handwritten pages of material it looks like in the hotel and then asks for 1300 dollars a month for two the next two years which is like (laughs) astronomical
0: they they laugh in her face which i think is you know they're they're acting as the audience here she's she has this huge ask and she doesn't you know her face isn't moving she doesn't find it outrageous um and i think that also just kind of speaks to how the show is you know about privilege and desperation and kind of wanting to be this special person who gets awarded these special um privileges and i don't know i mean it Turns out she is she is special and she does have an interesting voice. But I don't know, even now that I'm reflecting on the show, do they ever reveal if her writing is good?
1: <laughs> so I, this is where I have to just give important context that I have not rewatched this show since it originally aired because this, I think this show is a work of true genius mm-hmm. that, is so uncomfortable to watch and so cringy and like I just have very specific memories of it making me feel <laughs> bad. Sorry that that's not like <laughs> the most nuanced word. That like I've just been scared to rewatch. I don't remember. Um, I think it. I like they. She she has like various professional successes, but I'm not sure if we ever actually see it like bear fruit on the page.
0: Yeah, I. I feel like maybe it's suggested that it's good, but I think it'll be interesting for us to continue to watch. and.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, know, go, she goes know. to Iowa at one point with.
0: That's true. That's a. Okay. And that's no, like that's, as good as it gets. Yeah. So, but I do think it's an interesting kind of study on this, this young person who really wants to be special and really wants to have her voice be heard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, this whole scene is kind of the first surfacing of my favorite Lena Dunham quote in general, which is a real world quote from one of her various apologies, which I'm sure we will get into like <laughs> further down the line. But um, my words came from a delusional girl persona that I often inhabit. Um,
0: yeah
1: (laughs) just the delusional girl persona is I feel like my entire life is the delusional girl persona and this scene is very delusional girl
0: yes it's It's another thing that is an amazing quote is that from the cut interview uh
1: I think it's she literally just apologized for something and I think it's from 2013 2014 like um, there was a time from like 2012 to 2015 that Lena Dunham was apologizing for something every week.
0: <laughs> oh my God. That's true. No one would leave her alone. I mean, she also did some pretty, uh,
1: uh, heinous ex- 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 things. Ex-
0: apologies, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we, we may have to surface, um, that Twitter account, uh, Lena Dunham apologizes at some point, and uh, just go through the Wayback Machine and try to figure out uh, what oh, the way. the the apology of the week was for. <laughs> and really,
0: that, that'll be a good segment, apology of the week. Yeah. But yeah, how did you take this this final scene? So the thing—I don't think it's the final scene, actually, but it does feel like a a closer. It it, the the kicker to the
1: final scene is her taking the money that her parents had left in the morning for the tip for the hotel Mm maid, in addition to the like twenty dollars that they give her for cab fare to get home, and that was so just rewatching that like 10 years later, like that is such an, a shockingly unlikable thing to have your ostensible protagonist do in the first episode
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I, I it's just, it's a very bold choice and something that like, of course this girl would do.
0: Yeah. Like, and so, so not self-aware at all.
1: And it, I mean, it forced me though, to recon to consider like if I were in that situation and I saw the two envelopes, like what would I do and i don't think i would take the money but like lena's writing is good enough that it does make you sort of think about okay like i'm in my mid 20s like i like would like to be you know in a more like secure place than i am like what would i do to just like get ahead even marginally
0: mhm i mean honestly yeah i i had the same thought like oh that's a so horrible wait i might have done that at an earlier age yeah, they they I mean at least for me I think she does a good job of even though she's so unlikable kind of making me feel like oh I see myself in her.
1: <laughs> yeah, like so what what girl are you like are you a Hannah or, or were you kind of finding yourself drawn to someone else?
0: I am I'm unfortunately a Hannah. I feel like I mean as as a what did, what do we say like desperate desperation girl delusional girl delusional girl um, i i at least in my early 20s and maybe kind of still find myself um in in delusional girl mindsets and having to you know claw myself out um and even just like her her obsessions with these guys i i have been known to obsess over a guy i, I just wanting to be a writer in the big city and feeling like you have a voice and (laughs) I'm, I'm a, I'm a Hannah. Unfortunately, I'm also a Carrie. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a Carrie. I, God with the girls, it's tough because rewatching this pilot, I would have never self-described as a Jessa, which I think is the most, psycho one you can self-identify with at this stage in the game continue please (laughs) but i do feel sort of like a jessa as someone who can be like very callous and like is very like flighty and inveterate name dropper with stuff and that is is something i've worked (laughs) on like extensively in my life but like working in entertainment for four years was not you know, great for that. Um, <laughs> but I also like felt like very like Shosh-esque as well. Um, just feel like feeling very like eager and naive in many ways and like bubbly. But I think when you add Jessa and Shoshana together, you get Hannah. So maybe I'm a Hannah.
0: That's a,
1: <laughs> that's a, really- a, lo- that's a-, a long equation, but.
0: I, 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 Now that we're talking about it, I feel like I might be a Hannah Shoshana cusp. um, Because I do have that, like, kind of jappy sensibility. Um, Yeah. But... I feel like there are a lot of
1: self-described Marnies in the world.
0: And that is the
1: one I do not identify with even a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I, I think she... We texted about this before, but I think Marnie is kind of the secret straight man. You know, like, she's a lot of the time saying something that is so real and she's this uptight, annoying control freak, but she's also just calling everyone out on their shit. Yeah. Um, but I really like what what did you say? Jessa meets Shosh equals Hannah.
1: Yeah. That's that's on my chalkboard right now.
0: <laughs> I love it. And yeah. I you can have the yarn on the
1: the, <laughs> the like the charlie big picture like
0: <laughs> furiously like pointing to the board yeah uh, I, I feel like hannah is too neurotic though like there's not enough neuroses between those two although Sh- shoshana is neurotic but in a, in a in a way that's not at all inward looking you know
1: <laughs> yeah i think my, my neuroses are definitely like of the shoshana variety like i am com- <laughs> like chronic people pleaser and that is like shoshana to a fault totally but like the studied, not people pleasing of a Jessa.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my but the
1: God. Way the the annoying way in which I just articulated that is
0: very Hannah of me. So <laughs> like what, what are, you know, we contain multitudes. Um, I think we should also rank the girls um, okay. in terms of, for, just for this episode, in terms of their kind of, um, how, how should we rank them? What should our scale be? ability or just, uh, like, power?
1: I mean, to put it in 2012 terms, I think vibes. Like, <laughs> I, I made mean my ranking
0: on vibes, for sure. I, yes. I really like that. Um, okay, I can go first. Okay. I think Marnie is on top for me because, like I said, Secret Straight Man, she's really, you know, calling everyone out, which is annoying trait, but also, like, they... she says something about how jess is of course going to be late and like wearing some like fabulous garment where she she can't remember where she bought it or whatever (laughs) yeah so i i I think she has a lot of funny lines in this episode and is just i don't know maybe revealed herself as my secret favorite secret favorite character and then under marnie i think i have shosh because she's i don't know hilarious and adorable in this episode And like you said, the sex in the city monologue, it was just can't be beat. And then and then we have Jessa, um, who, again, perfectly annoying and just classic Jessa showing up late to the dinner party. And I think talking to Charlie, Marnie's boyfriend, about how since he's such a Francophile, he needs to go to Paris. And (laughs) her lines in that episode are are. hilarious and then hannah i think is on the bottom because of everything we discussed you know she just she's begging her parents for money and stealing the maid's tip and just an unflattering portrait of our girl
1: yeah i i think that that is a very good ranking Mine's i would say uh, pretty similar i guess like i think shosh wins the week by default she is just like you said very like or like hilarious and bubbly and like clueless but not she's not embarrassing herself um jessa was my number two because she i mean she like you know successfully projects the cool girl image to everyone her only hiccup this week is an unwanted pregnancy, which is a weird way. I that's using the word hiccup to describe that is not a word I would maybe do again. But um, uh, we'll get to that in the next episode. Um, then Marnie, because she just like the vibes with her boyfriend are absolutely rancid. Her hair looks great this episode, and almost always does every episode. Allison Williams, queen, true queen. Um, And, yeah, Hannah obviously is at the bottom, like, uh, just a litany of embarrassments, um, Mm -hmm. completely reprehensible, uh, zero girl boss energy to be found whatsoever. (laughs) I mean, it just it was it was really bad for her. It was really bad for
0: her. I think we're going to have to actively fight to not have Hannah at the bottom every week. Yes, (laughs)
1: like I don't, I would love to be proven wrong. Um, If Hannah can at least get third out of the four some weeks like that, that is a victory for Hannah.
0: I mean, actually, no, I'm as I'm reflecting on these episodes, I feel like we can she can she can pull her weight and get to the top.
1: I will say most of the cringe memories I have from watching this show the first time around are. Marnie related moments I was
0: just gonna say definitely uh, Marnie
1: there are some Marnie moments that I I may have to at least play on double speed
0: yeah no i I'm right
1: there him. with
0: you oh my god I mean one one immediately comes to mind I feel like mm-hmm. maybe the same one or the, or the singing yeah uh, I mean which time <laughs> which time good point oh uh, <laughs> Oh God. Um God. But I I'm really excited to get started with this series. And I think next week we'll probably cover um the next two or three episodes. What do you think? Two two episodes or three. We can decide think, on it.
1: I was looking at the episode summaries, I think two maybe, but we can we can update people like week too.
0: So if These you guys pretty- want to watch along i think that would be that'd be fruitful and you can write in the comment section we can have a real real roundtable discussion yeah and we will also be having some exciting guests on in future weeks so next week i think it'll probably be just us but same time same place
1: yep it's uh we we've really prepared a a fun show for y'all so i'm um, thank you everyone for coming out tonight Thank um, you, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to have this crew of people on this very like unpleasant odyssey we've, we've embarked <laughs> on, but it will be, I mean, this is, this is like one of the best shows of all time.
0: So it really is. I'm thrilled to continue watching.
1: Yes. One hundred percent.
0: Thank you guys so much. And we'll also, um, release this as a podcast if you guys joined in late and want to listen to the whole thing. Yep. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.